This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today my guest is Rameshwar Das. Rameshwar is a writer and photographer and longtime friend of well-known spiritual teacher Ram Das. Most recently, he was Ram Das's co-author on the new book, Polishing the Mirror, How to Live from Your Spiritual Heart. Rameshwar first journeyed to India in 1970, where he met his guru, Neem Karoli Baba. Today, he lives with his family in Long Island. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Rameshwar and I spoke about suffering as a doorway into grace. We also talked about what it might mean to live a path of devotion and even to maintain a sense of devotion in the face of tragedy. We also talked about what is meant by polishing the mirror and the idea that guru, God, and self are all the same. And finally, we talked about the relationship between faith and the recognition of love. Here's my conversation with Rameshwar Das. Rameshwar, the only way I feel I can really be true in this conversation here at the beginning is to bring forward the really difficult and strange timing of the publication of this new book, Polishing the Mirror, How to Live from Your Spiritual Heart, such a beautiful and strong subtitle living from your spiritual heart with the very tragic, unbelievably and difficult loss of your daughter due to an accident, your 14-year-old daughter in a bike accident with a car, and how these things happened at the same time, practically, within hours of each other, the release of the new book and this loss. And I'm wondering if you can share for us a little bit about these two things coming together inside of you. Well, it's hard to express some of it, of course. Um, You know, the, uh, the love and attachment that you have for a child is so incredibly profound you know you don't realize it most of the time you're just being a mom or a dad and hanging out and uh, going to lacrosse games and running the taxi around town and that kind of thing um, and I, I actually was out uh, visiting Ramdas in uh, uh, Maui when it happened and uh, I got this call from my wife uh, with uh, sirens going in the background, and uh, 
then there was a period. Uh, I was just, uh, you know, I went back to the house. I'd been out for a morning walk, and I was just sitting with Ram Das and uh, uh, Dasima, who runs his household, and uh, a couple of the guys there. And uh, it was, um, you know, one of those just uh, crystalline times where you're completely... uh, you know, on a, almost another plane, because I was trying to uh, be with her in my inner way so uh, intensely. And I, I do think I felt the uh, moment when she left, when she left her body. Um, and, um, you know, in a sense, it was... Uh, uh, kind of grace being with Ramdas then because he, he really helped me stay in my heart and not totally give in to that um, grief which I was going in and out of. It was kind of like getting hit by lightning, I think. It was just so out of the blue. When you say that you you think you might have felt that moment internally when she left her body, what did that feel like? Um, It felt like, uh, you know, going from, uh, it's hard to describe it, just presence to absence. Uh, I had felt very much uh, kind of there with her, at least in my thoughts and feelings. And um, then it was just like a, a a thread parted or something like that. Um, you know, when you're experiencing things on that uh, sort of interior level, it's, uh, it's hard to know what's real. But... Um, that was a certainly a, a feeling, and um, you know, I think at that point I began to feel her in a and relate to her in a different way, more as a, a soul or a spirit. Not that that was a. a a conscious thought, but it just things. It was such a tumultuous time for me. It just kept uh, uh, pulling me inside, and uh, <clears throat> then I had to arrange to get on a a plane back to New York, and you know I had a, took a red eye flight back. And meanwhile, my wife and son were dealing with the hospital and the police, and uh, you know all of the kind of uh, intense physical plain stuff that goes with that. And um, I got off the plane in New York and the pilot said, to to all you dads, happy Father's Day. So that that was kind of the coup de grace at that moment. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So it's been, uh, you know, very uh, sad, but also there's been this, just this intense love coming through it. Yeah, I'm curious if you could speak some to that. There's a, a section in the book where you and Ramdas talk about from suffering to grace and actually make this connection for people that our suffering can be a doorway into grace. And here it's in the book, and then it's right there in your life. Yeah, it's kind of like the spiritual practice, uh, the rubber meets the road. And, um, you know, I well, if this was the test, I don't feel like I passed anyway. <laughs> it was pretty tough going. Um but there was that uh, element of uh, grace in it, um, and um, it really, uh, you know, first of all, I, I had kids late in life, and it really, uh, my kids opened my heart in a way that I never had really expected. Uh, just that really elemental uh, love. And uh, then when this happened, when Anna Mirabai died, um, it was, uh, you know, that at the same time as the grief, that love just intensified. Um, it really was, for me, like getting ripped open and um, you know I've tried to stay with that and that that is a a grace um, it's not a practice I'd recommend to anybody but it certainly has been uh, a real deepening and um, I have felt uh, her kind of enfolded in Maharaji's blanket. You know, there's that word for the uh, the shelter of the guru, the sharan of the guru. And, um, you know, I felt like she was, uh, she is taken care of. And uh, very much... Um, kind of guided and sheltered in that love. So um, I've tried to stay with that. Sometimes, you know, you just subside back into whatever the other stuff is that's going on and we've had to deal with, you know, uh, police and lawyers and insurance and all of the worldly end of it also. I'm curious, Rameshwar, what you might say to somebody who is perhaps suffering in their life at this time, maybe not from a loss of the same magnitude as yours, but they're suffering in some way, who knows what it might be. What advice or directives or suggestions you might have for how they might be able to find the grace in their experience? Wow. I don't know. You know, everybody has to find their own way, certainly, but uh, I think uh, the... 
staying with it and not trying to uh, escape from it through all of the uh, ways and rituals that we have for uh, cutting ourselves off. Sometimes I think that's really uh, one thing that is uh, important in that um uh, trying to you know the the force of something like this whether it's a sickness or a death or uh one's own psychological suffering does turn you inward and i i think that uh you know staying with that is is really uh a, a way of um getting the teaching that comes out of the suffering, which is um, sort of choiceless. I don't think you choose to go into that. I certainly didn't. And uh, I'm not a particularly uh, uh, hermetic or uh, ascetic type, so it's not my natural direction. But uh, it certainly has pulled me inward, and I have felt like I'm kind of almost between two worlds. And I, I think, you know, I, I would say to people, you know, follow that inward current. And that is a, uh, an element of grace, because it does take us into the place inside us that uh, is... Uh, not suffering or is just um, feeling love at the same time that they're suffering. And they do come all together, don't they? Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned the grace of, quote-unquote, Maharaji's blanket surrounding Anna, mm -hmm. your, your sense of that. And for people who are unfamiliar with Maharaji and your relationship with him. Could you share that with us, how you first met him and how he became your guru? Well, I'm always uh, indebted to Ramdas, however that uh, came about. But uh, I met Ramdas when uh, I was still in uh, university. This goes back to 1967 or so. And uh, he had just come back from India. Uh, and I knew nothing about yoga or Ramdas, for that matter. I, I figured I was going to meet Richard Alpert. And uh, he uh, gave a talk that started at 7.30 in the evening in a, like a student lounge. People were sitting around on couches and, you know, just sort of uh, spread around. And uh, I was expecting the... Uh, you know the uh, the annals of LSD, but instead I got the guru from India, and it was quite a remarkable, uh, you know, evening for me. It just really, it's it was like a uh, one of these uh, kind of shifts in the figure and ground where you go from being, you know, like the center of the universe to being the uh, a speck of sand on the beach. Um, 
and it was just very deep. And after a while, somebody uh, turned off the lights, and uh, there was just his voice coming out of the darkness. And uh, I think he spoke until like 3.30 in the morning. So it was a pretty charged atmosphere, and he'd been uh, living up in this uh, little ashram in the uh, Himalayas, and had been on mostly on silence for six months. So uh, he had a lot of words backed up there and yeah. ready to go, I guess. <laughs> so uh, he had traveled to India before that, and in, in, through this sort of uh, apparently... Uh, series of coincidences had met this old man uh, up in the Himalaya foothills who was known uh, the uh, honorific for him as uh, Maharaji, which just means great king. And, you know, that's something that uh, if you get in a taxi in Delhi, the taxi driver says, oh, Maharaj, where would you like to go? So it's it's not exactly... Uh, it's just generic. So there's this old man wrapped up in a blanket in the Himalayas, and he uh, he was living in the spiritual heart. And uh, there's just so much love coming from him. So I, after I met Ramdas a, a couple of years later, I went to uh, see Maharaji in India after... Uh, um, extracting the information from Ramdas, who had been instructed not to tell anybody about Maharaji. Um, and um, I traveled with uh, uh, Krishnadas and uh, Danny Goleman, um, both of whom have gone on to have more illustrious uh, careers than me, but that's okay. Uh, they're still wonderful brothers. Um, and it was a very magical time being with uh, Maharaji. There were not very few Westerners around. And uh, he wouldn't even let us, uh, you know, stay at the little temple. We uh, stayed in the town nearby and would come every few days when he would allow us to uh, see him. Um and it just uh, was very uh, profound uh, time. I was uh, quite young. I was in my early 20s. And uh, it was... Um, when I got to him in India, it was the same feeling that I had had of that kind of shift of point of view that I had when I first met Ramdas. So he had really come through Ramdas. And um, I guess... Um, you know, these uh, relationships are kind of imponderable. The relationship with a, a guru or a saint of that uh, type is so uh, deep and subtle that you don't really uh, know what it's about most of the time. But it just has felt uh, completely natural and right. It's interesting to talk about your relationship with Maharaji at a time in the culture where I think the word guru is not all that well-received these days. It's like, really? 
Really? Isn't that... No, it's, isn't, I mean, there's fashion gurus and sex gurus and money gurus. <laughs> those kinds yeah. of gurus. Yeah, but like a true spiritual guru, there's a sense of like, isn't that... Didn't we kind of didn't get we rid do of that? that? Yeah, isn't that, wasn't that part of the 20th century? Aren't we, aren't we beyond that? How, how do you respond to that? Um, well, as I say, it's kind of a subtle uh, thing. I, I feel uh, that, you know, in my life, it's been an incredible uh, blessing to Noah being like that. And it's because um, he's like my inmost being. And that's uh, a lot about where this uh, polishing the mirror title came from, because he's like a reflection of uh, uh, our inner being, or mine, anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, some people would come to him and seem, you know, seems like a nice man, and they'd have some something to eat, and they'd leave, and that was that. But um, um, you know, clearly these are uh, relationships that uh, have gone on for a long time, if not uh, many lifetimes. And um, uh, it's kind of spiritual family. It's like you're stuck with your relatives. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm blessed with Maharaji. When you say he's like a reflection of my inmost being and that that relates to the title of this new book with you and Ramdas on polishing the mirror, can you help me understand that a little more? Well, the phrase comes from uh, the... Uh, uh, I, it's used in different places, but uh, it... it uh, it's used by the Buddhists, I think, too, but it, it comes from the invocation to the Hanuman Chalisa, where it uh, says, I, t- I take the dust of my guru's lotus feet to polish the mirror of my heart. So it is that idea that the spiritual heart uh, is kind of uh, a little covered, and what spiritual practices rather than trying to achieve something or get somewhere is really just uh, uncovering that pure reflection of the spirit. Something like that. I don't know. It seems to be a, a, a good metaphor with a lot of dimensions. I still want to understand more what you mean by Maharaji is my innermost being, what that means to you. Well, the uh, the great uh, Indian Saint Ramana Maharshi says, uh, "Guru, God, and self are all the same," and uh, not meaning the uh, self and the uh, kind of narrow uh, ways that we just identify our uh, our bodies and our minds, but that inner self, that uh, deeper place. So the guru is like uh, uh, an inner presence when you are really in the presence of a guru. It's also inside you. You see that person uh, outside, but that's also a reflection of your inner being. 
And in that sense, I mean, Maharaji was like uh, pure love. You'd sit with him and you'd feel like, you know, you were just in this state of uh, complete love. And it wasn't, you know, uh, I'm certainly not that uh, pure, but in his presence at uh, times, I felt that way. And he was able to awaken that uh, sense that in that in that way is kind of a reflection. I'm not talking very clearly about this, am I? It's a very uh, um, kind of um, both subtle and uh, difficult to verbalize. But I think that. Uh, you know, the real guru is inside you. That's the best way to express it. And when you meet somebody who uh, is uh, in a body and talks to you and feeds you or whatever it is that's going on, but that you can feel that they are also uh, inside you, that uh, is uh, something like a guru, I guess. Crazy thing, isn't it? Not one when what one uh, grows up expecting to meet. And uh, I grew up in Westchester County in New York. It was uh, a little discontinuous with my upbringing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive two free gifts just for visiting us. Just go to SoundsTrue.com backslash free gifts. That's SoundsTrue.com backslash free gifts. And now back to Insights at the Edge. In the book, Polishing the Mirror, there's a section on the path of devotion. And it it does seem to me that people who feel part of this soul family with Neem Karoli Baba, the way that you and Ramdas feel part of that soul family, have a particular gift and passion for the path of devotion. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that, about what that means to follow the path of devotion to you. Hmm. Um, well, the, the devotional path's interesting because it's, um, it's using, um, you know, what you'd call dualism of subject and object and uh, uh, me and you and uh, this and that and the outer world and the inner world uh, to get into the place of uh, oneness. And the connection is through love. And it just... um, uh, It's known in... in, uh, uh, 
yoga in India is the the easy path because that um, that inward pull is uh, first of all it can be very ecstatic and um, sometimes painful because there's that sort of longing to be with uh, uh, the one you love. So it's sort of a natural uh, inward pull. And, um, you know, to some extent, it's kind of like falling off a log. But then there's the uh, the other part of it where it starts to get deeper and you begin to get pulled more uh, inward. And I think that's the point where devotional practice is like any other practice like Buddhism or meditation or uh, um, karma yoga, you know, activity, doing service. And, um, but the, uh, the sweetness of the love just keeps pulling you in. It's like, uh, you know, you get hooked and the, the hook gets set and you just get pulled in slowly but surely and you can run out the line for a while but uh, every once in a while it uh, starts pulling you back in and um, essentially once you've been hooked on that love it's kind of over because there's nowhere to go anymore Sometimes when tragedy happens in people's lives, their devotion isn't there. It's there when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, it can be a challenge. How have you felt this sense of devotion in you being impacted with the loss of Anna, if you have felt it being impacted? Well, in a funny way, I think the uh, um, devotional uh, feeling that that love has has merged with my love for her because she's gone into that spirit realm, and I almost feel like she's uh, uh, part of Maharaji. And as I've been able to occasionally uh, quiet the clamor of emotions and, um, you know, all the stuff that goes on around losing someone that is so precious to you and the attachment to the form and, uh, you know, just having a a sweet teenager in your life. Um, But when I can quiet down, I feel her like kind of this uh, mist of love around me. Not always. I mean, it changes certainly from day to day and moment to moment. Uh, And sometimes it's hard to quiet down. But... um, She's a pretty 
sweet being somewhere or other. And I feel like that love has uh, really uh, spread. Um, And certainly if I was just submerged in the loss, it would be more painful. I mean, it's painful enough as it is, but... um, You know, knowing that uh, she was uh, uh, grew up in a loving environment, and uh, that I can still feel that for her, that hasn't gone away. The body's gone. Her body died, and we put her ashes in the ocean. But I certainly still feel that love for her. So I guess the. Uh, You know, the uh, heart opening continues, and this has certainly been uh, an intensely, um, uh, almost, you know, violent opening. But it is uh, uh, really deep in there, too. So, as I say, I don't recommend it to anybody, but it has uh, uh, a lot of love inside, too. And I felt Ramdas support and Maharaji around me. And the, uh, You know, as you say about the people that you've met who've been with uh, Maharaji, there is that sort of sense of spiritual family or family of the heart or whatever you want to call it. And that's, uh, you know, it's it's very profound. Rameshwar, for most of us, most people won't meet a saint like Neem Karoli Baba and feel that type of devotion. And also, many of us won't be placed in a situation to endure the type of tragedy that you have, the loss of a child. And yet, I do think that this longing exists in people to live from the depths of their spiritual heart. So I'm curious what you might say from your work with Ramdas on polishing the mirror. What would be some real help that you could give people who want to deepen their sense of living from their spiritual heart. It's interesting watching Ramdas as uh you know he uh he had a a stroke in 1997 early beginning of 97 and uh he almost died and he's really been somewhat incapacitated physically since then. Um, and uh, hasn't stopped him much. I mean, for a while he was still traveling and speaking, and uh, then uh, my wife and I took our kids to uh, India in 2004, and uh, uh, he came with a, a group of people for about three weeks. And it was uh, really uh, joyous and you know i don't think he 
had thought that he might get back to India. He was still in the wheelchair, and it was really, you know, it's not easy traveling that way. Especially in India, it's not exactly uh, handicapped accessible, shall we say. But um, he had an amazing time, and he came back and uh, went to teach a retreat in Maui. And at the end of it, he uh, ended up in the emergency room with a high fever, and uh, he had had a infection that got into his bloodstream when he came back and you know he almost ch- checked out again uh, slow recovery so he's stayed on Maui pretty much since then I think he's been off the island once um, in those almost nine years now and he's just uh, deepened more and more you know into his heart um because his uh his mind is just as sharp as it uh has been and uh he had aphasia from the stroke so uh, it's not as easy for him to talk so he's quieter more and since he stopped traveling he's even more uh inward and just uh loving and funny and sweet and really uh deep. So I've seen that, you know, deepening of the heart with him. And, uh, you know, he was always sort of the master storyteller. He'd do a talk and he'd have, you know, three stories going at the same time and they'd all uh, culminate in the same line at some point. But uh, now it's much quieter and uh, it's just very deep. And I think that, you know, what we can all take from that is just that as we can uh, quiet ourselves, that uh, heart place just begins to manifest of its own. I mean, you you do use whatever uh, practice you're into, and that's a a lot of what, uh, you know, polishing the mirror has in it or just uh, ways of approaching that heart place Uh, and you know different people have different ways of going about it I guess I use uh, uh, mantra and meditation Krishnadas uh, uh, chants and uh, um, you know Danny's had a very psychological uh, approach to things he wrote that emotional intelligence book um other people do service. So it's there's not one way, but it's certainly uh, that heart place is uh, the same in all of us. R- Rameshwar, can you talk a little bit about the process that you and Ramdas engaged in together in creating Polishing the Mirror? Oh, when we write together? Yeah, how does that work? Um... It's kind of different for different things. I mean, at uh, times uh, we've um, sat and uh, talked together and I've uh, recorded things and written them down, you know, transcribed things, and then we'd go back and uh, uh, work on it together till we get it to a place that feels right. Um, and uh, sometimes I'm 
you know, doing kind of what you're doing with me, which is sort of interviewing him. Um, but, um, I mean, for me, it's really a, a privilege to uh, work with him, and it's it's such fun because uh, Ramdas just uh, plays at those edges of the mind and the heart. Um, so um, I guess I end up doing the, uh, you know, um, the computer work and stuff like that and uh, helping with the editing. I feel kind of mostly like an editor, I suppose. But um, it's very beautiful exploring with him. I, I feel like we're uh, kind of uh, poking around in our uh, inner uh, beings together. And uh, it's very sweet. Now, Rameshwar, you, you mentioned how there's a sense of family in the people who have gathered around Neem Korli Baba over the last few decades and devoted their life, really, to serving his work in the world. And I'm curious, how would you name that work in the world for you, the work that you're serving in your life? Well, I didn't. I don't want to, uh, you know, glorify it particularly. I, you know, I I feel like it's uh, uh, me working out my karma most of the time. Uh, it's just uh, uh, dealing with what comes down the road, um, and sometimes trying to make it uh, resonate for other folks too. I think we're all mirrors for each other in that sense. You know, when you are uh, being with someone, you're you're just being with them. And that, uh, to the extent that you can uh, get out of the way and just be, it becomes a... Uh, a kind of experience of uh, merging together. And that's what Maharaji is. Maharaji is that uh, place where we uh, are all the same. You know, when you get out of your thoughts and your feelings and uh, don't get so hung up on what kind of clothes you're wearing, we're not too different underneath. So I think it's uh, trying to find that uh, place of uh, uh, sameness or oneness that uh, we all share. I know it sounds very highfalutin, but it's uh, you know, and there's all kinds of philosophy that goes around it that uh, can be Hindu or Buddhist or Christian or whatever. package it comes in. But um, Maharaji's uh, uh, main teaching was uh, 
in Hindi, it's sub-ek, which is, it's all one. And sometimes you'd feel like, you know, he was looking at us like, don't you get it? It's all one. And we were still, you know, like uh, kids in the preschool or something like that. And he's looking at us uh, running around, you know, like wandering through the universe. So it feels like uh, a family in the sense that, uh, you know, we've probably all been doing this for uh, quite a number of births and deaths. And here we are hanging out on the wheel together a bit. But certainly this death has shown me that it uh, can vanish in an instant. So the uh, aspect of enjoying our time together is really precious, too. I just have one final question for you, Rameshwar. There's a, a line in Polishing the Mirror, the whole game is based on faith. And I'd be curious to know here at the end of our conversation, what is your faith? How would you define that? Uh, That's a good one. I think that uh, faith and uh, love are very deeply intertwined. Part of that faith is knowing that that uh, love is here too. And it's, you know, it's not just uh, words and uh, our uh, presence being together is uh, uh, something or nothing or the void, or but it's here. And that faith that we can hang out and share that together, that's kind of faith to me. And also knowing that uh, there are beings like Maharaji helping us along as we uh, stumble through, that's a good thing to know, too. And I think everybody has, you know, some, whatever you want to call them, guru or guardian angel or uh, patron saint or that inner place that guides us. So uh, I think just getting in touch with that, uh, even the least little bit or, you know, one experience that shows you that at some time in your life is uh, part of faith. And that's all I know. And it ain't much. What to do, Tammy? I feel the love shining through. Maharaji used to say, uh, is it, isn't it? What to do? As I said, I feel the love shining through. Likewise. I've been speaking with Rameshwar Das, who, along with Ram Das, has written a new book with Sounds True. It's called Polishing the Mirror. How to Live from Your Spiritual Heart. 
and it's a beautiful book that includes chapters on conscious dying and aging, from suffering into grace, sections on karma yoga and our work in the world, as well as living the path of devotion, and also includes many meditations that one can engage in in a self-guided way, and a whole collection of suggested practices for opening and expanding and deepening the spiritual heart. Rameshwar, thank you so much for being with us on Insights at the Edge, and God bless. Thank you, Tammy. You do a good interview. Soundstree.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.